Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am so delighted that you are here. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about some frameworks for when we should and shouldn't let our dogs sniff a lot. But before we jump into that episode, I wanted to just kind of fill you in on a few things that are happening here in Colorado. So spring has definitely sprung. We've been getting a lot of rain, which means that nature is just coming to life and it is exhilarating. Spring and summer are pretty remarkable here in Colorado, and as many of you know, I hike with my mom every week, twice a week usually, and it's starting to be wildflower season. So there are um, wild orchids that grow here in Colorado that my mom and I are kind of obsessed with, and we have been hiking every week, checking on our secret spot where they live, and they're getting so close to blooming, and it's just so freaking exciting. In dog-related news, we started the Recall Training Challenge, which has been so fun getting to know some new teams inside of there. And then we also started the Consent and Care Virtual Class, which has been amazing. Oh my gosh, Consent and Care is one of my most favorite protocols to teach. Not all dogs need it, but the dogs who need it really need it. And being able to support all you beautiful people through this course has been amazing. So we will likely run another Recall Training Challenge and another Consent and Care Virtual class in the future. So we will include links in the show notes so you can get on the wait list for that. I have been spending quite a bit of time up at the Wolf Sanctuary. Some of you may know, some of you may not know. I run the training program at a Wolf Sanctuary here in Colorado and they are getting ready to move to their new facility and that is going to happen very soon. So it has been... um, very labor intensive, but the Wolf Sanctuary has an amazing staff and volunteer program. So it's been really amazing to be able to support all of them inside of there. We are currently running a reactive redefined program and it is reactive redefined is the best. The teams that we have this round are extraordinary. They're putting in so much time and energy and it's just been so amazing to see them grow and make progress with the reactive dogs. So if you're interested in being a part of reactive redefined, the next round of reactive redefined will be July, August, September, and that will open for enrollment on July 3rd. So we'll include another link in the show notes. So if you want to join the wait list to reactive redefined, you can get on that. And then we do also have the free reactive dog course if you need some more immediate support. So that's what's happening (laughs) in a good feeling dog training in Colorado. And in my life, Spicy and Waylon are the best. I just love them so dang much. Okay. So let's talk about letting them sniff, but dot, dot, dot. Okay. So I want to start by saying that I know that many of you are already familiar with some of this information, but for those of you who aren't, I think it's really important to talk about first. So the dog's olfactory system is so powerful. It's absolutely incredible what they're able to gather about the world through their sense of smell. And ultimately it is their strongest sense, right? So letting our dogs engage in sniffing and using their nose a lot is not something that 
we really have a choice in because it comes naturally, right? Like all dogs have a really good sense of smell, every single one of them. Some dogs have extraordinary senses of smell. I feel like I've just been, I guess, blessed or cursed one of the two with dogs who have extraordinary noses. But if you have not read any books by Alexandra Horowitz, I'm going to suggest that you get one. So uh, Inside of a Dog is actually a book that I have literally sitting on my desk. I'm looking at it right now. It is so good. She is, I'm pretty sure she's a scientist, but her work is easy to read and digest and it gives you just so much empathy and perspective on what it is to be a dog, right? Like what it is to exist in this world as a dog. And I I actually started reading some of Alexandra Horowitz's books because one of my long-term clients, shout out to Margot, she actually gave me as a gift one of her books. And we both were just like, oh my gosh, this gives us so much perspective. She has a, a yellow lab named Oakley who's been a part of our lives for Oakley's whole life and she'll be nine, I'm pretty sure. So, um, you know, she got a lot of perspective of why Oakley uses her nose so much. And then I read that book and I read many of her other books. And I think that if you are frustrated, annoyed, struggling with your dog's intense scent drive, I want you to read some of Alexandra Horowitz's books because I think it's really going to change the way you think and feel about your dog's natural ability to just smell incredible things. So I think it's really important to remember that a dog's natural abilities are going to, that's something that like we don't want to control too much, right? Like we really just want to let our dogs engage in this natural behavior, the zigging and the zagging and the stopping and the sniffing. And if any of you have ever participated in nose work, or watch nose work. You can probably just YouTube some dogs doing nose work. It's pretty incredible how odor exists in environments and how, you know, I feel like so many of my clients are like frustrated because like they drop a treat on the ground and the dog doesn't go for it right away and they kind of like circle around it. But when you participate in nose work, when you see dogs work in nose work, you understand that that's actually on purpose, right? Like they're trying to gather more information about the smell before zeroing in on it. So it's not that your dog doesn't know that something is directly right there. They're trying to gather more information and learn more about that scent by kind of approaching from like a circular angle, right? So the way that that scent exists in environments is so absolutely fascinating. And like I I have mentioned in several previous episodes, nose work is such a great dog sport to participate in, especially for, you know, those of you who have dogs who have like very strong scent drives. Waylon in nose work class was incredible. You can imagine he was a crowd favorite, big surprise there, but just seeing him, like he didn't need me at all. I literally was just attached to the leash and dude was just using his nose, figuring it out. He loved it. He loved it. So, you know, I just wanted to touch on the fact that our dog's strongest sense is their sense of smell. So we can't say that we, we can never let dogs sniff some sniff on walks. It's absolutely absurd, right? That's like taking a little kid to Disneyland and telling them that they can't touch or look at anything. That's like absolutely absurd. So I think that there, unfortunately, there's still some quote unquote trainers out there preaching like, don't let your dog sniff. And that's ridiculous. Okay. So I do always 
give my dogs tons and tons of opportunities to let them sniff, right? Like we have to let them be dogs. We have to let them utilize their natural senses, right? Um, and it's it's definitely something that I feel like the positive reinforcement dog world has been like pushing, right? The like hashtag let them sniff movement. And that is, I wholeheartedly support that. But I think that there are definitely some times where we can get ourselves into tricky situations with our dogs when we're letting them just follow their noses. And I do also want to state that letting our dogs sniff and engage in a lot of sniff sniffing can be, I think, sometimes a bit of a privilege depending on where you live, depending on your dog's behaviors, depending on some of the realities of your life. And that's why I wanted to do this episode, because I think that a lot of people feel guilty, right? Like, I didn't let them sniff and I feel so bad. And I don't want you to feel guilt. I want you to be able to figure out when is going to be the best and safest option for letting your dog engage in that sniff and maybe when we should not be letting our dogs just follow their noses because it's not it's not as simple as like let them sniff and that's just the end <laughs> right because if it was I wouldn't have a career <laughs> and I definitely wouldn't be doing this podcast episode so I think that it is important to recognize that letting our dogs sniff is absolutely something we need to be creating safe opportunities for them to do but there are a lot of factors surrounding when we can and when we can't. So I want to I want to first talk about when you absolutely should be just letting it happen, just letting them sniff. And then I also want to talk about when you shouldn't be, right? When there are scenarios and situations where sniffing is actually going to work against you and your dog and not for you. And then I'm going to follow it up by telling you about some of the trained skills that I utilize to make this functional, okay? So when you should be letting your dog sniff. So first and foremost, as much as possible, okay? So, I mean, dogs are always smelling. We can't, like, prevent that from happening. But I'm really thinking more about, like, unleashed walks and things of that nature. So when it's possible, I want you to allow your dogs to sniff. I... I am very fortunate in the fact that we live in a neighborhood that has a lot of parks, a lot of open spaces, and it's not terribly busy or crowded. So that makes it so that it's easy for me to let my dogs engage in a lot of sniffing on daily walks without a ton of effort, right? So we definitely want to allow our dogs to engage in sniffing on walks as much as possible. And I really think that low distractions open spaces and long leashes yield the most success here, right? There's there's the least amount of possibility for um, precarious predicaments, so to speak, okay? So I do think that it is a basic need and a basic right for our dogs to have opportunities to either on a long leash or off leash with low distractions Follow their noses. Green spaces, parks, open spaces. Um, Not everyone has access to like beautiful hiking trails like we do, but I think that remember that your dog 
is going to find really good things to sniff, even if you're sniffing in like an open space that maybe is not the most visually beautiful for you. There's still so much enrichment and joy that can be experienced by your dog by following their nose. I have a lot of amazing clients that live in cities, really densely populated cities, and they have to get creative, right? Like they have to get creative with areas where they can take their dog to let that happen. And if you don't have the, you know, you don't live in a location where you can access that space every day, that's okay. So many of my city clients have dogs who just love alleys. They just want to sniff in alleys. And, you know, if that's your option, try and allow that as much as you can. But I think it's also important that we, we recognize that our dogs being on a leash, there are always, well, I shouldn't say always, but a vast majority of us in our lives, there's going to be situations where our dogs are on leash and we can't just let them sniff freely, right? Maybe there's, it's high traffic. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of dogs. Maybe there's a lot of trash, a lot of things that could be dangerous for them to consume. Maybe you have a reactive dogs. Maybe there's a lot of triggers around and maybe there's some other dangers in the environment. So there is inevitably going to be situations in which we cannot just be like, yes, let them sniff, hashtag let them sniff and you can just follow behind. Like, I wish that it was a perfect world like that and if you live somewhere where you can always do that like revel in that my friend because that is a gift right not all of us have that opportunity in our lives with our dogs and there are certainly times where sniffing and letting our dogs just follow their nose is not appropriate and we can't just let that happen so I think it's important to realize that there are so many scenarios when we should just like let them sniff let them follow their nose but that's contingent on a lot of factors right and those factors are going to vary depending on who you are, who your dog is, where you live, what your life is like, right? All of those things. And it could be like on a daily basis, but I wanted to record this episode because it's important that you're not feeling this unnecessary guilt. If it's a high traffic area, there's lots of trash, there's lots of triggers, there's lots of dangers. You can't necessarily just let let your dog sniff. Okay. So there are Many, many trained skills that I think that can be useful for helping our dogs understand the difference between when they can sniff and when they can't sniff. So outside of just the skills, I think that there are also some context cues. So I think that gear and length of leashes can be really helpful context cues for our dogs for what we're going to expect of them on a walk. So at my house, right, our neighborhood walks, both dogs are on harnesses and I use retractable leashes. Yes, I do. I love them. If you want to learn more about a dog trainer who uses retractable leashes, I did do an episode on long leashes versus retractable leashes and you can find that by just using the search function at the disorderly dog com website. Okay. So that's my norm, right? <clears throat> Our neighborhood walks, like I said, we live in an area where there's lots of parks, there's lots of open spaces, and there's not a ton of dangers or distractions around. So that's my norm. The dogs are on their harnesses and they're on their retractable leashes. And I would say, I don't know, probably roughly 90% of the walk the dogs are just allowed to use their noses, right? They're just allowed to go and I follow them and they're allowed to use their noses. If I'm going somewhere where 
There's going to be more distractions. Uh, there could be potential dangers. My dogs understand that if they're on their flat colors and they're six feet, six foot fixed leashes, they understand that I'm going to expect something different from them. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to let them sniff, but the default, right, and this has been a lot of time in training, is that when they're on their collars and on the six foot leash, they are going to pay more attention to me and there's going to be more access to reinforcers and likely a higher rate of reinforcement. So I do think that just those context cues can be really helpful for telling our dogs what's going to happen here and what's expected of them, right? And those are just the ones that I use. It could be completely opposite for you and your dog, but I do think it's important that we set some of those context cues, not only for the dogs, but also for ourselves. When my dogs are on their flat collars, I am more motivated to stay engaged with them because if they do start to pull or do something like that, I dislike tension on the collar. So I personally am working harder to captivate their attention and ask them to do what I want them to do so that there isn't tension on their collar. When they're on their harnesses, I am way less motivated and likely to do that, (laughs) right? Because I'm like, yeah, they're on their harnesses, they're pulling, they're not choking themselves out, everything's going to be okay. So I do think context cues can be really, really helpful for setting the difference in expectation of what we want the dog to do or not do, and in this case, follow their nose or not follow their nose. There, like I was saying, there's a lot of trained skills that I think can be helpful. This is not an exhaustive list, but this is certainly what I am using in my day to day. So there are multiple trained cues that I use with my dogs in order to prevent them from following their nose. So one of those is a leave it cue, right? Leave it meaning stop what you are going towards, right? That is a cue that I use a lot. Many of you who listen to the trash eating episode probably (laughs) feel me on this, but right. So leave it as a skill that you absolutely have to train outside of when you need it and then slowly but surely generalize it to the the context where you need it, right? So leave it as a skill that I trained in the house. Waylon, it's been like six years now, but I trained it in the house. I generalized it. We worked on the backyard and then we worked out it on walks and I followed exactly the same framework for spicy, right? So leave it as a skill that is absolutely essential for decreasing and deterring our dogs from constantly just following their noses, right? If you didn't listen to the trash eating episode, if that is a big challenge for you, listen to it because I talk more about that in detail. The second skill that I utilize a lot is walking at my side on cue. Right. And this is a skill that, again, I trained in the house, then I trained in the backyard, then I generalized to walks and hikes and out in the world. Walking at my side on cue is not something that I expect my dogs to do an entire walk by any means, but that is a skill that I utilize, especially in areas where like, okay, I'll give you an example. We were out walking at the park. I noticed that there was some like dog kibble scattered in a certain area that I didn't want my dogs to eat. So I asked them to leave it. I asked them to walk at my side. Voila, we've gotten past it. Then I released them back to sniffing. Okay, so leave it and walk at your side, I think are skills that every single dog can benefit from. I also think that a directional cue this way is what I use. And basically that means, right, like I can tell my dogs are following their nose in a direction that I'm not going, I don't want to go, and I need them to come my way. 
that directional cue is super helpful for that, right? I just keep moving. I cue this way and my dog's like, oh, got it. Got to wrap it up with a sniff because we're going a different direction. Okay, so I think that directional cues are ones that maybe you've already been using, maybe you don't have yet, I think are well worth the time and energy so that we can help our dogs understand when we need them to stop following their nose and come our direction. I also think that find it, right? So literally just throwing a treat on the ground and saying find it is a really beautiful way to utilize what the dog is basically already engaging in following their nose. But if we need them to come a certain direction, we need to avoid something, we can just ask them to find it. Their nose is already down. Voila, they're looking for the treat. They're going in the direction we want them to go. So I think that there are loads, loads and loads of really good skills. Um, teaching a U-turn, right? So you change direction, the dog comes directly to you. I think that that can be super duper helpful. But when it comes to those of you who have dogs who can be reactive on leash, it is really important that you have these trained skills so that you are not finding yourself in situations that are likely to trigger your dog. So conversations that I have a lot, especially inside of our our virtual coaching program, Reactive Redefined, is understanding that if your dog is sniffing, right, and they're sniffing something and they're so involved in it, you're not able to create distance from a trigger and that's going to send them over threshold, that's when we have to utilize these skills and we don't have the privilege in that moment of just letting our dog sniff, right? Because if we're letting our dog sniff and then we're getting ourselves into situations that we can't get out of without our dogs going over threshold, that becomes a really frustrating and non-sustainable way to approach being out in the world with your reactive dog, right? And many of you who listen to the competing motivators episode, this is something that I talk about in depth too, right? Like sometimes sniffing is fine because the dog will keep engaging in the sniffing, but that kind of reaches a breaking point, right? So I do think that it's important that we recognize that it can't just be let the dog follow their nose forever and always, no matter what, because that is not... That's that's not sustainable. That's not realistic. That can be really frustrating on both ends of the leash. And I think it's an important conversation that we have in, in the fact that, yes, our dogs need loads and loads and loads of outlets to utilize their nose. But there are many situations where that becomes problematic. And it's up to us to teach our dog the difference of when they can and cannot follow their nose, right? This is something that comes naturally to them, right? This is on us to teach them the skill set. So I think that, you know, it's one of those things that if we lived in a perfect world where it was always low distractions and we never had to worry about other people and we never had to worry about trash, then like, cool, yeah, hashtag let them sniff forever and always. But I don't live in that world. And my guess is you probably don't live in that world either. So I think that, you know, setting up some of those context cues of the gear and the equipment that we're using so the dog has a little bit more perception, right? Definitely building that into your daily routine, right? So setting up some opportunities where you can go somewhere where it can just be follow your nose, live your best life, but then also training the skills and setting it up so that if we need our dog to be on lean 
niche in a busy area where sniffing isn't really appropriate or productive, our dogs also have the skills and the know-how how to do that. Right. I think that there is a subgroup of the training community, um, one that I don't love, who, you know, blames owners for their dog's reactivity because they let them go out and sniff ahead of them. And one, shame is never a technique I ever use with my clients. But two, that's ridiculous. Right. Like we can train the dog the difference. Right. Letting your dog walk ahead of you, letting your dog follow their nose, letting your dog zig and zag. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But we have to understand the different contexts in which we're going to need our be- our dogs to do different behaviors and we need to train and teach them how to do that right so that's something i've definitely been working on with spicy as far as like when we are and we aren't going to sniff and i recently took her on a home depot trip with me and i Honestly, I was just kind of like, let's gather some feedback. Let's see how she does here. And I did a couple of things. So one, she was on her flat collar. Two, she was on a six foot leash. Three, I had literally bacon. I had super high value treats. And I helped her work through that context and realize that in this environment, right? In this busy store with lots of people, this is not necessarily like a stop and sniffy environment. This is like, I need you to pay attention to the mama and like do the things and get really well paid for them. And that, you know, I let her sniff like once or twice, right? But really it was much more about like, keep that nose up, stay engaged with me, pay attention to me. And that's something that I literally have been teaching and training since she was just a tiny little baby, just an eight week old puppy. And she's starting to understand the difference there. But I think that a lot of the success we have in that environment is because I meet her needs outside of that because in her day to day, she gets to use her nose like a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So I hope that this is helpful, right? And this is something that, like I said, we have talked about in so much depth inside of Reactive Redefined is is helping our clients understand when it is just like, yes, let them follow their nose, let them do their the, their thing. And when we can't do that, but how we can strike that happy medium where we make it reinforcing for our dogs to do other things that aren't sniffing. Yeah. All right, everyone. I, I, I just adore this podcast. I hope that you find these episodes helpful. Do me a favor. If you found this episode helpful, take a screenshot and tag me over on the Instagram. If you have been a longtime listener, do me a favor, share this podcast with a friend or family member who has a dog who could benefit from this. If you have not left a five-star review, I would be eternally grateful if you could. Leaving a five-star review does a couple of things. One, it obviously positively reinforces me. But additionally, it makes it so that when people are searching dog training podcasts, my podcast, Disorderly Dogs, comes up so that more people can find it and benefit from it. This podcast is free. It will always be free. And that's on purpose because I think that there's just so much disinformation out there, misinformation out there in the dog training world. So if you want to help dog guardians get their hands on really good quality information, help me out here. Take a screenshot, share it, leave me a review. All of those things make it so that this podcast reaches the the guardians who could really benefit from it. So everyone, Have a beautiful weekend, smooch those puppies for me, and I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. 
If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.